So what even is self-confidence? Let's start and have a bit of fun with it, okay? Let me ask you a question. Are you confident that at times you haven't got self-confidence? Now, if your answer is yes, and I'm assuming it is given that you're here, then the great news is you're halfway there. You already know what feeling confident looks like. Please, please, please don't take this lighthearted approach to me being disrespectful. I genuinely fully understand this theme is huge and a, a lack of confidence can be hugely debilitating, but it serves an important purpose. While you may think you lack confidence, the fact that you know what confidence feels like means you can tap into these thoughts and apply them to other parts of your life. But how to do that? Okay, let's get into this. Now I'll start with a story. Now I've got permission to share this story. Why? Why bother this way? Well, it'll reassure you that what I'll cover here isn't just random ideas, it's stuff that genuinely works. Now that is, of course, assuming you really do want to make some changes. You know, obviously just hearing stories and buying books and watching TED Talks and listening to podcasts like this can only take you so far. Ultimately, you are going to have to take some action. Okay, here it comes. I worked with someone who was plagued with severe asthma attacks. They were brought on by stress. The attacks came out of the blue and often in less than five minutes they were in need of an ambulance. On one occasion, because they were in a remote location, they actually almost died. Over time, the uncertainty as to when and where the attacks might happen, and because obviously stress is a natural part of all of our lives, every time they felt even slightly stressed, they'd have a panic attack in the worry that they'd have an asthma attack. Now, if you know anything about panic attacks, you'll be aware they feel like you're unable to breathe. So this in turn made their panic attacks escalate further. And as the sensation of not being able to breathe was now a trigger, so they became caught in a loop of utter fear all the time. This went on for 10 years. Their confidence got shot to pieces. They wouldn't board trains, planes or venture anywhere where they felt an ambulance couldn't get to them. Their mental health deteriorated to the extent that they even began to cut out food groups in the fear that they may be allergic to something and have some form of anaphylactic shock. But they weren't and never had been allergic to anything. Thing is, if you met this person today, there's a very strong possibility one of the words you'd use to describe them is confident. So how is this even possible? What changed? What did they do that turned things around? And put simply, they applied everything that's about to be covered here. It took many years. They made tough life decisions and they acted on them. It involved personal sacrifices and, to coin a cliched phrase, they challenged themselves to feel the fear and do it anyway, uh, which, by the way, is a great book. Um, it's, it's the author's Susan Jeffers. The bottom line is that their desire to improve their life outweighed their fear of what they'd need to go through to make those improvements. They'd become utterly exhausted of feeling fearful in their every waking moment. Now, this person wasn't any different to you, and the great thing is, if they can do it, so can you, 100%. Of course, your lack of confidence may not be linked to medical conditions, but the approach boils down to the same thing. Your desire to want to build your confidence has to outweigh your apprehension in making yourself feel uncomfortable in the process. So does it? Oh, and by the way, if you hadn't guessed, the person I was describing was me. Now, a question that often gets asked is, what about my self-esteem, Tom? My lack of confidence has really impacted upon it. And you know what? I totally get that. 
So let's start off by looking at what is self-esteem? Well, self-esteem is the feelings you have about yourself, whereas self-confidence is a belief that you're able to do something successfully. The key, though, is to feel good about yourself as a starting point. So if you don't, how do you do that? Well, first up, ask yourself this. Do you ever avoid situations you feel you're not capable of? What about when you experience challenges in life, wherever that may be? Do you have a tendency to allow whatever's happening to make you feel as if you've been set back, perhaps become demoralised? And how about your focus? Are you ever at times guilty of allowing your mental energy to focus on beating yourself up over why you're, in inverted commas, rubbish at everything? The reason I highlight these things is because research from psychologist Albert Bandura identified these behaviours as the ones to work on and get past so you can feel better about yourself, which through doing so will gain you control over your own motivation and in turn, build your confidence. I know, I know, I know. It's easier said than done. But you're here, which means you're fed up with the way things are, so you've just got to suck it up and take that first bold step. So you can change this, this experience that you're having. As with all these things, it's going to come down to your willingness to actually do something. So where to start? Well, here's a few approaches you might want to think about. Now, you're probably not going to want to hear this. The quickest way to build your self-confidence is to practice whatever it is you don't feel confident in. Now, if your first thought is instantly, ah, oh, seriously? What? Hold on a minute. <laughs> you know, what, what if my failure in doing that thing means I'll just become even less confident? Well, you've literally just demonstrated that you're falling into the trap of mentally wanting to avoid situations you feel you're not capable of. What if your mindset was, I literally don't care what others think, who sees me or what the outcome is. What matters to me is that I did it. And to me, that outweighs any negative. Because me doing it, however small and insignificant, is one tiny step forward from not doing it. And only you, obviously, can make that decision. Doing something new for everyone is a challenge. But remember, how is it you can tie up your shoelaces? Because you've done it a million times. Purposeful practice will improve your skill in something. But you'll have to start somewhere. How about going out of your way to witness similar people to yourself doing the thing that you want to do? And ask yourself, seriously, what is it about them that makes them any different from you? You know, they're not. Which means if they can do it, so can you. Remember, it's not about what they're achieving, it's about what they're doing. And whatever it is you try won't necessarily be to the same standard or level of expertise. But so what? That's not what this is about. It's about you simply starting the journey, building your self-belief and confidence. How about this? Recall a time when someone said to you, you can do that. And because you respected that person's opinions, you tried something out and you succeeded. That type of feedback has been identified as a key element to overcome self-doubt. So how about reaching out to people that you believe in and seek their encouragement? Obviously, make sure it's someone whose opinion genuinely matters to you. Here's a big one. Work on your inner communication. If you know that you beat yourself up mentally, then what is it you can watch, listen to or read that'll help you to shift what's going on inside your head and perhaps make a few changes to be able to start working on focusing on the positives rather than the negatives. And don't underestimate how mood can affect your thinking. How are you when you're tired? Are you fun to be around? How about when you're hungry too? Are you great company? You know, if your answer to both of those is a yes, then I know you're lying. So here's a quick win. Begin working on eating well and improving your sleep patterns. 
How are you with this? Imagine someone you respect pays you a compliment. Can you ever be guilty of immediately deflecting it? I ask because you may want to do a little self-reflection. Why is it that perhaps you're not comfortable of accepting a compliment? What's your balance between your positive and negative thoughts? And now I'm exploring this route because actually there's some pretty good news with regards to this. Evidence suggests how we as humans view the world tends to be more towards the negative than the positive in nature. And that's for all of us. We find it easy to go from the good to the bad in our thinking, but our brains actually have to work harder to see the positive things. And don't take my word for it. Go watch the TED Talk by Alison Ledgerwood. She explores this theme in great depth. It's really interesting to find uh, on YouTube. Remember, there'll be enough people already telling you reasons why you can't do something, so don't go doing it to yourself. Uh, I love that line. <laughs> don't recall where I heard it, but it's sound advice. Now, I can hear you though. Yeah, yeah, Tom. But when I've not got something right, in inverted commas, I just can't stop overthinking. I get it. I totally understand. And with low self-esteem comes thoughts like, am I getting this right? Am I doing this wrong? First up though, in isolation, nothing wrong with any of that. They're perfectly reasonable thoughts to be having. You're analysing stuff and that's a good thing. It's a problem if it becomes a pattern of negative thinking where you end up endlessly ruminating over stuff that's in the past. The impact of which, yeah, I, will likely affect decision making and perhaps uh, make us procrastinate more and avoid us doing those things that will go in some way to build our confidence. So tell you what, let's, let's briefly then explore the whole overthinking thing, because as with all of this stuff, there's always positives to fight. First up, there's value in thinking about the important things in life. Yeah. So how to look after yourself, develop your career, support those people that are close to you. It's only when our thinking becomes overly analytical that it can become unhelpful and somewhat unproductive. So where does overthinking stem from? Well, it's typically us worrying about the stuff that hasn't happened, the what-ifs, and ruminating over stuff that's in the past. I bet there's been a time when you've had a job interview or been on a date or maybe met with a key stakeholder and you're on your journey home, and during that journey, you've replayed that conversation over and over, wishing you'd said something else. Uh, I can see you nodding your head right now. Of course you have. We all have. Literally everyone's done that at some point in their lives. And what normally happens is, when you wake up in the morning, it's either gone or it's just lingering in the background. But with life being as busy as it is, you get caught up in new stuff to fret over, so it gets forgotten. Of course, if that's not you, and you really do find it hard to let these thoughts go, then try this. Number one, distract yourself. Try and focus on something else. But in order to make this work, because I know it sounds super basic, it has to be super immersive. And what I mean by that is whatever you do as a distraction... Make it emotive, something you're really interested in so that it makes an impact. Secondly, appreciate that the dilemma of overthinking in this moment is not unique. Everyone thinks about stuff. Allow yourself to think these thoughts but observe them rather than emotionally attaching yourself to them. They're just thoughts, nothing else, and you can change them whenever you like. You have that power. So how about this one? Allow yourself overthinking time. However, the key part is to schedule it. What I mean is, say to yourself, I'm allowed to overthink about this, but I'll do it at 3pm this afternoon. Then forget about it till the time arrives. What can often happen is that at 3pm, it'll come and go and you'll forget to even do it. Um, next one, and I have mentioned this book before actually, 
The book's 59 seconds and it's from author Richard Wiseman, who's a psychologist. And in it, he describes why writing things down can be powerful. So overthinking tends to be somewhat unstructured. So our mind's going all over the place. And uh, what we can do is if we write stuff down, it helps us to be able to uh, give structure and focus to our thoughts. So you don't start going all over the place. And then how about this one? Again, fairly basic, but it can work. Find someone who'll listen because actually gaining another's perspective may help in calming your mind. And you know what? They could provide you with some clarity. Now, there's a possibility you may be thinking, hold on a minute, this building of confidence thing, it sounds like I need to fake it till I make it. I, I can't do that. I'll feel like an imposter, which leads us onto another big and important theme. One that, again, affects us mentally and can get in the way of our personal and professional confidence. Imposter syndrome, our ability to self-sabotage ourselves to a sense of unworthiness. So what is imposter syndrome and how can we get past it if we're experiencing it? Well, as you're probably aware, no one is immune from this feeling. You could be a CEO or a new parent, doesn't matter. But it's often described as an ongoing feeling of how much longer can I keep getting away with this? Of course, these feelings can lead to a sense of anxiety, you know, fear of failure and self-doubt. And returning to our original theme, of course, those feelings in turn impact upon our confidence levels. So there are a few things that you can do to get past imposter syndrome and in turn build up that self-confidence. So number one, start by acknowledging your accomplishments and, and give yourself credit where credit's due. It's possible that you're potentially blurring the lines between what you know you know and what you perceive others think that you know. And there was a study done by Harvard Business Review that found that 70% of employees experience imposter syndrome. So think about it. You know, those very people that you're concerned about thinking that you are a fraud, chances are they're faking it too. Second, practice a little self-compassion and remind yourself that everyone makes mistakes. Chances are you're probably doing something right. Remember, with any job or new situation, there's an ebb and flow to confidence. We all naturally doubt ourselves at times. It's totally normal. There'll always be moments, big projects, difficult conversations that'll potentially trigger feelings of self-doubt. But that won't be unique to you. Just know your limits and just never stop wanting to learn. I love this line from Mike Cannon-Brooks from a TED Talk that he's got on YouTube. You can be an imposter for a moment, just don't be an imposter for life. So, to summarise, how do you start building your self-confidence? The first step, become aware of your thoughts and beliefs. What's holding you back? Once you know what they are, challenge and change them. Next, practice being kinder to yourself. Give yourself permission to make mistakes and learn from them. The best way to start is by taking small steps. Pick one or two of the tips shared and put them into practice. Be patient and don't forget to celebrate your successes along the way. Give yourself credit for even listening to this. How about doing something then that scares you just a little bit? It could be enrolling in a course or joining a new group at work. But, you know, challenge yourself. Come up with something. Take the plunge. See what happens. So, what are you going to do later today that will boost your self-confidence? Thank you. Thanks again for taking the time out to listen to this. I've many other podcasts and blogs on my website, tomdunman.com. If you're into your personal professional development, I'm sure there'll be something there for you. I'll see you on the next podcast.